welcome to Vineyard Cleveland. We hope that you feel safe and that you feel welcome to experience something of God with us this morning. We're delighted that you're here. We're going to chat about the, the kingdom of God this morning, and we're going to chat about why that's important. We're, we're beginning our series on vineyard distinctives. What is it that is valuable to us as a, as a movement and as a people? And off the, right off the cuff, as Tom and Ben and I were discussing, we knew that it was important uh, to chat about the kingdom of God right from the beginning. Because the vineyard is a kingdom of God movement. As Phil had said in the video, we, everything that we do, everything, um, whether it's caring for the poor or whether it's inviting God's presence in, in worship, it all flows out of the understanding of the kingdom of God. It's an important thing for us to talk about. And as I was preparing this week, I, got a, I felt like I got a really good picture to share from a movie that you might be familiar with. And I don't know, maybe you will, maybe you won't. I, I like it, but I don't know if it, how well it was received or not. But the movie's called The Terminal, and it stars Tom Hanks, and he plays uh, this character, John Navarsky. Uh, do you remember? Some of you have seen this? For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, this guy, he, uh, le- he's flying on some kind of trip, and, and so he leaves his home country. And as he's flying, like as he's on his flight, there's like this massive civil war in his country. And when he lands in the airport, the country does not, his home country does not exist anymore. You know, it's been torn apart by war. And so he, he goes to get into the, the new country and they won't let him in because the, he has a passport for a country that doesn't exist. His visa doesn't work, so he's stuck at the airport. So what does he do? Do you remember? He, he, he sets up a, a bunk, and he, just, and he learns English in the airport. He just lives at the airport. John Navarsky just lives at the airport, and he, he reads travel guides to learn English, and he's like got saltine crackers, and he's putting ketchup and mustard on them and eating them, and then he's, you know, graced by the uh, airport security workers. They hook him up with food and all of this, and he, he lives there for some time. Well, this movie is based on a true story. I don't want to butcher his name, but the movie is based on the story of the life of an Iranian refugee whose name was Mirhan Karimi Nasseri. And he lived at the Charles de Gaulle airport in France for 11 years. This guy. And the, the story is pretty true to like what this guy's life was like. He lived at the Charles de Gaulle airport for 11 years. And as I thought about it, I I began to think about it in the context of the kingdom of God. How this is not unlike the tension that we experience as vineyard people. We experience the um, leaving of the old country, as it were. And we're trying to get into the new country. There's a tension in in the already what has been and the not yet, the experiencing, the experience of the kingdom of God, the new country. 
See, if you claim Jesus as Lord this morning, as king of the kingdom, right? If Jesus is king of the kingdom, you carry a completely new culture inside of you. You're a stranger in a strange land. You're a foreigner. The world is not your natural habitat. You're out of sorts. You're out of place. But yet, at the same time, God is not snatching you out, is he? You're in your circumstances for a reason, to bring life and to bring hope, to bring the good news of this other culture that you belong to and to the world. You see, because the Father is not... Uh, the Father did not give Jesus his only Son to die on the cross and raise from the dead to take you away to heaven after you die. No, the Father is the greatest imperialist the world has ever known. He's in it to colonize earth with heaven. God, God sent Jesus to die for your and for my sin, for, not for fire insurance to save us from the flames. God didn't Die on, on a cross to take you away to heaven after you die. God died on a cross to put heaven into you so that you could express the kingdom of God wherever you go. This is what it means when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And if you were to set people uh, down in a room, a group of people in a room, and you were to ask them what Jesus' central message was, what did, what did Jesus come to teach about, you might get a variety of different answers. You might hear from some folks that Jesus' message was all about love. You know, love, love your neighbor as yourself. God is love. Jesus came to, to demonstrate God's love for people. It's a good answer, but that's not what Jesus' message was all about. You might hear from someone else that God's message was all about forgiveness. You know, look at the cross. God's, mes God, God's message in Jesus was about forgiveness. That's what his message was about. And while that might be true, that's not what Jesus' central message was about. You might hear from other people that God's message in Jesus was, was about eternal salvation, to take you away to heaven after you die, to live with God forever in the clouds. That's not what God's central message through Jesus was about. The central message of Jesus was about pure and simple, the unadulterated kingdom of God here on earth. That all through the Old Testament, we hear Messiah is coming. He's coming to set things right. All of the injustices that we experience in our world will one day be set right in the world. And then Jesus comes to the earth. He hits the scene and the beginning of the end starts. The kingdom of God has come. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. And yet we live in the tension of looking outside and seeing that our neighborhoods are a mess. Or looking inside of our hearts and seeing the muck in there. Or looking at relational brokenness and, and, and knowing that things are not cool. Things are not okay. Things are a mess. What gives? Well, it's the tension between the already of the kingdom of God. Jesus' kingdom has come and the not yet. Jesus' kingdom has not yet come in fullness. We're between two worlds. And theologically, when we talk about the kingdom of God in the vineyard, it's as Phil had 
said there in the video. That's our motif. That's the calling card. Everything that we experience, everything that we seek to do, everything that we seek to be in the, in the greater Cleveland area stems from that understanding of the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. That's what we're about at the vineyard, the kingdom of God, establishing the kingdom of God and expressing the kingdom of God. So it's an important thing to talk about. And basically, at its foundation, Jesus taught and demonstrated what the earth looked like when the finger of God touched it. That's what it means when we talk about the kingdom of God. In Matthew 4.23, we read, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee. He was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Isn't that interesting? Matthew doesn't say he was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming that he would take people to heaven after they died. Matthew says that he was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And how did he do that? And then we read on. And healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And then again in Mark 1 we read, The time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent or turn, turn and believe the good news. In both of these passages, we see the dual nature of how Jesus extended and established the kingdom of God, both through proclamation and demonstration, both through word and works. And he didn't just stop there. You see, in the kingdom of God, it's not just about proclamation and demonstration, but it's about transformation too, because every, everywhere, that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying the kingdom of God is. We're saying that the kingdom of God means that wherever Jesus has put his finger on, the kingdom of God has come to that place. It's simply the rule and the reign of Jesus established. That's what the kingdom of God means. He came to establish it. His birth was prophesied in the Old Testament many times over. There's a sense that there will come a day when all will be made right. The injustices that people face in the world will be made right. Jesus came to fulfill these prophecies. He came to establish his Father's kingdom upon the earth. And that means that if we want to know, if we want to know what the kingdom of God looks like, If we want to know the Father's heart, we need not look any further than the person of Jesus. What does the kingdom of God look like? Well, what does what does the Father how does how does the Father how does how does God view the poor in our community? Well, how did Jesus treat the poor in his community? Do you want to know how God the Father deals or thinks about sickness? and disease? Well, what does Jesus do with sickness and disease? Do you want to know how how God the Father feels about injustices and in our day in the legal system? Well, how did Jesus deal with injustices in his day? John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, was often fond of saying that Jesus is a spitting image of the Father. Jesus said that he could only do what he saw the Father doing. He was in constant communion with the Father. And how much more so that you, if you claim Jesus as Lord, that you carry something of his his presence in you to express in your community. You're meant to be new creation. You're meant to look like the Father. 
Wherever you go, you're, you're called to release. And, you, and that does, you don't need to hear guilt in that because you're going to release what you carry regardless of what you, of what you think. You can't, you can't help but turn off the presence of God in, inside of your chest, can you? It's not like a light switch that you have the choice to be like, ah, oh, well, this room I carry the presence of God, but, you know, when I'm over here, I can turn it off. You'll simply release it. It'll just happen. You'll walk into a room and people will be amazed because of the thing that you carry. Now, you don't see yourself like this. But you don't know. You don't know how, how others see. How can you jump into the head of someone else? You don't know what kind of life and what kind of peace that you're bringing to someone else just by being you, just by stepping on the scene, just by giving someone a listening ear, just by, just by speaking an encouraging word into their heart. You don't know where that person has been. You don't know what they're, what they're traveling through right now. They could be on death's door and the word that you speak of encouragement may save their lives and you'll never even know about it. See, God has engineered your circumstances to be in people's lives, not, not to get a better job, not to pad your, your checking account with more money, not to just uh, get through the day. It's Cleveland after all. It's snowing in April. No, God has caused you to thrive and to express the kingdom of God wherever you go, regardless of whether you live in New York City in a Manhattan apartment or whether you live in downtown Cleveland near Market Square Park. You're called to express the kingdom of God wherever you go. That's your purpose in life. Your purpose in having that job that you have was not to get a better opportunity to, to scale your way up the corporate ladder. That's not why God gave you that job. God gave you that job to express the kingdom of God. Then why? Why if Jesus fulfilled his rightful place as king of the kingdom? Why, why do we still look around and see the mess? Why, why do we look around and see that our neighborhoods are a mess? Why, why do we look around at our family life and, and the dynamics there and see relational brokenness? Why do we look at our legal system and still see injustice? Why, why are young girls sold into sex slavery and trafficked across borders? Why is that happening? Why is there still domestic violence between a husband and a wife? Why? Why, if the kingdom has come, if Jesus dealt with sin at the cross and then raised from the grave? Well, in the vineyard, we understand this through the lens of the now and the not yet. Some things will be made right now and others not until Jesus comes back. But that's not enough. There's still brokenness, still a mess. That's too easy of an answer sometimes. And what happens is it calls into question our role in all of this. As we just talked about, your, your role in this is to express the kingdom of God, to express it. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's not talking about the afterlife. It's not what Jesus is talking about. Eternal salvation may be like a part. This is the part that gets me into trouble a lot of times too. It's like um, you get to go live with God forever and ever. But that's not the gospel of the kingdom. That's not what heaven is. There's a lot of hope in that, isn't there? <laughs> 
There's no hope in that for people who have been sold a gospel that's not the gospel of the kingdom. But if what you receive was the gospel of the kingdom and not that of the little sliver that we feed people on Sunday mornings in churches all across America, say the sinner's prayer, get fire insurance, don't go to hell. That's what we're basically saying. Just sit on your butt until the end of all days when Jesus comes back from twiddling his thumbs on some cloud somewhere so that you don't go to hell. Is that really what the Father means when he sends his only son to the cross to die? For you and for me, he wants the kingdom of God to be expressed in the here and in the now through your heart and your hands. There's work to do, y'all. The good news is not that you're not going to hell after you die. The good news is that you get to express the kingdom of God through your heart and your hand. That's the good news. So what does that look like? What does that look like? You're talking about all these religious ideas. That's good in the in the sort of vague conceptual world, in the theoretical world. I get it. I'm to express the kingdom of God. But what does that actually look like? What does that look like? Well, it it means that if you claim Jesus as Lord, as King of the kingdom, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. Now, I'm not talking, what I'm not talking about is some ghost. And what I'm not talking about is the Holy Spirit as like the force from Star Wars. There's a lot of talk about the force at my house. My son Luca like loves Star Wars. I'm in a lightsaber battle like every other day. (laughs) You will let daddy rest. (laughs) Sorry, dad. It only works on the (laughs) weak-minded. So, the Holy Spirit is a person. He, he's not an it. He, he breathes when you breathe. He sees what you see. He's preordained the situations for you to step into. He, he gives you his thoughts. You know, some of the thoughts you pass off, follower of Jesus, brothers, and sisters. Some of the thoughts you, you pass off as mundane and ordinary and just a, a whim or whatever are heavenly thoughts that God wants to give to you in order to change the situation around you. And he's telling you this so that this, these thoughts so that you'll say yes to him. That's all you do is say yes. You know, God's giving you, it's like a download. He's giving you thoughts in order to express those thoughts throughout the city. He's not just telling you secrets so that you could keep them. He's telling you secrets to express them. It means that everything that, you, that he carried, you now carry. In John 14, 12, what do I mean by that? In John 14, 12, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, that the kingdom of God is advanced. You know, it's not just the big miracle. When the kingdom of God is advanced, it's not just the big miracle. It's not like, 
you know, your, your friend or your loved one is, is dealing with cancer. And some of you have seen this before. And you, you pray and you pray for healing and, and you see that thing healed. And, you know, they go back to the doctor and they're cancer free. And there's like praise and, and shouts and it's a, it's a good day in heaven and it's a good day on earth, right? But the kingdom of God advancing doesn't mean that it's always like the great giant big thing. And sometimes we miss the miracle because we're looking for the miracle. Sometimes the kingdom of God is advanced because you are kind to somebody. Do you know how the kingdom of God will most likely advance through yours and through my life? Go like this. <laughs> Come on, it feels good. Come on, y'all. It feels good to smile, doesn't it? It feels good to smile. It feels good to be kind to one another. Do you know that there are, there are levels in the kingdom of God that, um, that people will pray and pray and pray and pray to God, pray to God, command that thing to go, command it to go, do this, do that, do that, that can simply be overcome or, or, or you can see victory in just by giving someone a smile and showing them kindness. Kindness is just as much of a fruit, a fruit of the Spirit as healing is. So the kingdom of God advances when you choose to respond in love and not in anger. And each time that you offer prayer, likewise, to a complete stranger down at Market Square Park, the kingdom of God has come near. Each time that you care for your toddler by placing Jesus first in your home. Every time you, you take a meal to a friend who has just gotten out of surgery and they can't cook for themselves. Every time you, you take them a meal, the kingdom of God has pressed in. So what's it worth? I'm glad that you ask. What's all this worth? What's this kingdom stuff worth to you? Well, we're going to read as we close Matthew 13. And Jesus is telling stories as he's fond of doing. Jesus tells stories called parables. He tells stories to convey uh, deeper truths about, about what life is like and what the kingdom of God is like. And oftentimes, people would go to listen to Jesus tell stories. We're in Matthew 13. People would go to listen to Jesus tell stories, and they'd walk away with more questions than they came to Jesus with. They're like, I thought I was going to get some answers. And I didn't. I just got more questions. That's the way he is. Comfortable with mystery. Okay, so we're going to read 44 through 46 real, real quickly. We're going to pause in between. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had, and he bought that field. It's like treasure in a field. The gospel of the kingdom, this is what he's saying. This is what Jesus is saying, I believe. There could be different interpretations. That's fine. The gospel of the kingdom isn't a, a pleasant religious idea that would be good for you to explore if you had a couple of hours to spare on a Sunday morning. It's not just some good idea for you to explore if you've got a couple hours to spare. The kingdom of God is like this fabulous hoard of treasure 
that's been hidden and now is yours for the taking. So in the scripture, I hear Jesus asking, how much do you want? How much of the kingdom of God do you want? How much of the kingdom of God is is available? Well, the kingdom of God is endless. I'll tell you how much is available to you. How much do you want? How much of the kingdom of God do you want? It, it continues. Do you, because that's the nature of the Father. You see, because, because the scriptures say that, that the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom, the things of the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to give you healing. It's his good pleasure to, to show you generosity. It's his good pleasure to give you freedom. It's his good pleasure to give you hope. The father is the worst poker player that the world's ever known. He's like, here, oh, there's my cards again. He's not some, he's not some schizophrenic father who, who keeps the things of the kingdom behind his back and keeps you at arm's length and says, this far and no more. That's not who the Father is. The Father's pleased to give you the things of the kingdom. So there's just as much of the kingdom out there as you want. It's not driven by your desire for the things of the kingdom. It simply is endless. Now that's not to say that God doesn't feed on your hunger for those things. If you sell everything else to buy the field where this thing is hidden... If you sell everything else, it's like the biggest and the finest and the purest pearl that any jeweler ever imagined. And it's yours for the taking if you'll sell everything else, including all other pearls you've ever owned before, in order to purchase it. In 45 and 46, he says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. He bought it. And who, who did that? Who bought it? It was the merchant looking for pearls. Or the Greek word here is like a wholesaler, a wholesale jeweler. So he, would, he was trained, you, you see, he was, he was trained to look for the purest of pearls. He was, he was trained. He was an expert in his field. He would, he would look and he'd search and find a pearl to distribute to the retailers and sell. We're not talking about pearls anymore. Get it? He was trained. This merchant was trained to look for the finest pearls. When he found this pearl, he bought the whole field. He said, I'll take it. Give me the whole field. And we'll end here this morning. You know, Wimber had a different way of looking at this passage. The founder of the Vineyard Movement. And when we read a passage like this, normally we'd say like, well, the kingdom is priceless. You can't, you can't put a price tag on the things of the kingdom. You can't come up with a figure that Jesus' love is worth in your life. You, you couldn't possibly. No one could. Because it's, it's priceless. It's worth everything. What Jesus is saying is if, if you don't get anything else in this life, if you, if you could have one thing in this life, get this one. You, you got to get this. 
It's the pearl of great price. But Wimber turned it as well. He had a, he had a different way of looking at this. He said, he said that, you know what? You know, you know who that merchant is? That, that merchant's like Jesus. He's saying, that's, that's what I'm like. And you know who the pearl is? You know who the pearl is? The pearl, the pearl's not the, not the kingdom of God per se. Unless you want to say the kingdom of God is the people of God because the pearl of great price is you. You. You and you and you and you. Do you know how much you're worth to the, to the Father? Do you know what your worth is to Jesus? That you're worth more? That you can't put a, a price tag on, on the eternal significance of your life, of what you mean to the Father. And we sell ourselves short by looking for significance of, in others' eyes on social media. That's far too low of a cost. You know I had to work it in at some point during the sermon. You're treasured and you're adored and you're chosen and you belong. You belong, you belong, you belong. You're, you're in, you're not out. And no, you can't hear it enough. You're treasured, you're chosen, you belong. You're embraced by the Father. That's who you are. And no, you cannot hear it enough. Chosen and treasured and adored and belong. You belong to him. You belong to Jesus. Belong to him. And he's put purpose on your life to express the kingdom of God. Should we have another go around at that or do you get it? You belong. Do you get it? You get it? You belong. You're treasured. Why don't you stand with me?